Hey, ladies and gentlemen, in this episode of the Web3 Show with Elio Trades, we talk about the up-to-date information surrounding FTX. We don't go too deep into it because we've covered it quite a bit this week, but we just talk about the perception of crypto uh, to the common man right now, what this could mean for the industry over the next couple of years, what needs to change so the industry can actually mature, and how we're thinking about what the future of crypto really looks like from an asset perspective and from a product and utility perspective. So overall, it's a fantastic episode. Hope you enjoy it. As usual, all of our content is sponsored by SoRare. You can sign up at the nifty.com slash SoRare. Good morning, West Coasters. Good afternoon to the East Coast. This is the Web3 Show. Back again. Guess who's back, ladies and gentlemen? Look, we're figuring out the cadence. No one said doing a daily radio show was easy, but we had to come back. We had to bring that Web3 spiel to the masses. We're pumped to be back, and we'll, we'll figure out a nice cadence. Don't worry about it. This show ain't going anywhere just yet. Uh, this show is about all things Web3, NFTs, crypto, technology, gaming, macro, personal finance, real estate, whatever, art. Anything that you want to talk about in relation uh, to the globe, economics, money, all of that. So I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, the one and only, the host of the Elio Trades YouTube channel, the creator of the Imposters ecosystem, gaming ecosystem, blockchain gaming ecosystem, the one and only Elio Trades. And of course, my- It's me. <laughs> and of course, my business partner, my partner in crime, sometimes controversial, my man, Nifty Nick, uh, one of the funniest men in the business and uh, one of the legit big brains around town. So look, we're, we're back. We got a lot to talk about, apparently. So Nick, you tweeted that SPF had- they're expecting criminal charges. Is that right? Yeah, that was that was actually accurate information. That was after I posted a tongue-in-cheek tweet, which I'm now actually inspired by doing for 24 hours for us to create video content around it, was that uh, I wrote breaking news. I'll be making up breaking news stories for the next 48 hours to test engagement, since that appears to be what we've devolved to um, on, the, on, the, on the FTX story at this point in time. But that one, I was quoting somebody else. It, it does sound like it. I haven't been able to get another uh, source though, but uh, if that is the case, that's insane. I, that doesn't, it, it quoted what I assumed was Fox business, but I, I can't find the uh, news story. So that's why I'm trying to actually verify it at this point in time. Um, I, I ran with the first quote and now I'm like, wait, was this not accurate? Um, uh, conversely, uh, or Unassociated with that, there's another story which is more NFT related, which is that uh, did you see that Flyfish actually got their space? Oh shit! Okay, so Flyfish, ladies and gentlemen, was an NFT collection launched by Gary V and friends, who were all investors in, I believe, is it a sushi restaurant or is it just a fish restaurant, Nick? Just a seafood or sushi? It feels like it's a club. They got an eleven thousand square foot uh, space on three levels of one hundred forty one East Houston, which is a pretty big it's like an office building um but it's a private dining club it's the world's yeah. first members only private dining club where membership is purchased on the blockchain as an nft and it looks like all sushi in the images so making a play uh for for nobu seems like it's like a soho house type of play more or less right soho house meets uh nobu although i remember when we went to the 
Well, actually, were you th were you at well, the I did not attend no, the event so, where they so, had atmosphere models. I know that, yeah. that stuck with you big time that they had atmosphere models. Although I didn't even call them atmosphere models. I mean, it, <laughs> but maybe okay, yeah, that's I guess that's what they were. Um, so Flyfish Club got got a space. You know, uh, we'll see what the result of that is. No, I don't think anybody thought that they weren't going to right, but uh, it's interesting that it took until now to do it. Uh, Elliot, how are you doing, amigo? Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, you know, still processing this FTX thing. Um, it's just really sad for the industry. Obviously, Genesis uh, Mining, we heard yesterday, shut down uh, or was suspended withdrawals. We can only assume that they have a, a pretty big hole. We're hearing rumors of another trading firm um, called Jump. I don't know if Jump. that's true. That. Uh, we say, but, you know, effectively, there was a few really big, uh, you know, trading firms and, and market makers that were providing liquidity across a lot of these uh, and, and were connected to almost every big blow up this year. And as I understand, Jump got hit by pretty much everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, some, some big holes in all those balance sheets would be logical. Um, and then now we're starting to see uh, some statements come out of this new regime that's sort of taken over FTX. Obviously, Sam uh, and the information he provides doesn't seem uh, to have any chance ever of even remotely being accurate. So, um, you know, I think it's definitely one of those cases where it's going to be interesting to see the different types of uh, statements coming out of Sam's personal Twitter, who now, you know, the company's now come out and sort of disavowed Sam and said, he's no longer like, he don't work here no more. And, uh, he doesn't know what's going on. Um, and then to hear like the statements coming out of the interim CEO, who's like the liquidator CEO, uh, who says things like they've never in their entire history of their career seen any agree, anything even close to as egregious, um, as you know, the messiness, the lack of record keeping, the lack of capital controls, the lack of just general, um, you know, <laughs> practices that you'd sort of associate with a money uh, money related business. So we, what's going to be really interesting is to see if there is even like records kept, you know, because that's one of the things that they kind of alluded to um, was that there might be some issue with records being kept here. Um, and then for the people with their tinfoil hats on the conspiracy theorists, you know, they're going to be out in full flex going, ah, of course, of course there's poor, poor record keeping, you know, uh, if you didn't want to, if people didn't want to know where, where some of the money was going, um, it's just crazy. Uh, and then you add into it the, the coverage by mainstream news, uh, and you look at how CZ is being covered and how Sam's being covered. And it's just insane. Um, you know, I had uh, a family member, uh, message me and go, who's the CZ guy that embezzled all this money. And I was like, first of all, I don't know what the finance has done. God knows, but is that the story right now? <laughs> like, I, is, that, <laughs> is that the I story did, we're talking about right now? I did see that. So there was like, there was uh, someone, I'm blanking on who it was, was speaking on a panel. Um, the, oh my God, like the name's like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't figure it out. Um, he he was sitting on a stage where CZ had just spoken and he was like mentioning the five C's in uh, crypto, which was like corruption, criminal, uh, like all the uh, like all this negative stuff. And the fifth was like CZ. And then uh, what the, the uh, this is another rumor Basically, and actually I went and Googled it, and this was more valid than the one that I just, side note before I uh, state this one that uh, I saw, apparently Jump Crypto is tweeting out that everything is all good and they're not shutting down. But the same thing uh, was something that uh, uh, Genesis tweeted last week was like, it's all good, we're, we're okay. And now suddenly they, they pause withdrawals. So we'll have to see you know, how valid that uh, tweet is. But in regards to uh, CZ and Binance, there's basically some claims around money laundering, and some of it involves uh, potentially uh, governments um, like Iran and some other places. It, it was pretty crazy, the stuff that I was seeing. And uh, apparently, like, this is documented uh, stuff, and they were surprised that, like, 
uh, Binance is allowed to actually have U.S. operations based on some of the activity that's been going on. So I like I read this and I was just like, wait, for real? And, it, and then I was just like, damn, man, like all the people in crypto, like there's just there's so many people. Um, it's unfortunate. I feel like NFTs brought it a lot of of legitimate people. Um, and now I'm sitting here being like, like a, a lot of the old like guard needs to like wash out or something like that, where, where you have, uh, basically people who were doing just questionable actions in order to like generate business in this case. Um, and so that, you know, that's where we're at at this point in time. Like, I, and who knows where, like, uh, we always refer to how, uh, Binance has like such an order of magnitude of volume, but like you don't know where that comes from. And I think FTX, as we've seen now, uh, actually was inflating some of those numbers thanks to Alameda. Um, so there's a lot of sketchiness that still needs to flush through the system. Uh, I didn't realize that was be this was being like this talking point was being parroted through the the space, but or through the media. But I will say that the popular narrative right now is basically fuck crypto. And like, uh, you know, this, this place is, um, garbage and there's a lot of anger directed this way. Yeah. I mean, as someone who's been in this industry for a long time, um, you know, there's definitely a perception that like everything was getting so much more matured and there's, you know, so much more transparency and oversight. Um, and then when you see like how FTX was being run and the position it had, it, it's just a head scratcher, right? Where you, we really have to start kind of reevaluating, um, a lot of the, the playing field. Uh, in the end, you know, the decentralized censorship resistance, uh, sort of applications and financial services, uh, decentralized, you know, forms of interaction. That's really what this is all about. And sort of getting back to basics here, um, a lot of the industry since 2017, uh, when they launched the first futures contract on uh, CME, uh, and obviously BitMEX has been around, but since then, you know, leverage has just found its way into this ecosystem in an egregious way. Um, and in a very high volatility asset class, adding leverage is just super, super unnecessary, but also has been the root of sort of like a lot of these collapses. And so you look at how FTX got to where it was, and it was with a ton, a ton, a ton of leverage um, and a ton of degeneracy. And yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to comment on the Binance stuff. I think everyone should just have the assumption at this point that like, centralized players are, are not on your side they're not to be trusted like we should hope that you know binance i mean what, what binance has managed to do is they've managed to never get hacked or that they've managed to never let uh users lose funds in the history of, of their uh, organization however we should just have a healthy very healthy dose of skepticism towards anything with a centralized sort of point of failure right and and um, understanding exactly what those things are um is really critical uh, and then really just understanding that, like, yeah, this the narrative around crypto, even though there's more believers in the space than there were in 2018, from like a community size perspective, the negative sentiment towards this industry, I think, is at, you know, an all time high. And so um, there's going to be a lot of sentiments to unwind here. I think that's one of the biggest things is, is the sentiment towards crypto is going to take a long time. And when you when you sort of unwind it and unpack it, you know, um, I, I think that one of the things that we can all look towards is like Bitcoin halvings and the whole astrological approach to crypto bull cycles. Now, it, it did did happen that this parroted the four-year cycle exactly, like exactly. However, it also did happen that it parroted the changes in monetary policy from the Fed exactly. Yep. So there's a little bit of this push and pull where there's almost like, like a stranger than fiction kind of like overlap here, uh, where I'm more firmly in the camp that at this point, 
what really pumped the bags for crypto was the was the money printing, right? And that we were an asset class just like every other asset class that did well. Um, and that we traded pretty much in tandem with everything scarce from, you know, the S&P 500 to, uh, you know, used, you know, precious used watches and cars and everything that had any kind of scarcity and value um, went up like crazy during this time period, including, um, you know, our, our coins. And so I don't know, like, I think one of the biggest revelations will be to realize that maybe it wasn't the four year cycle or the halving that really created this, but it was more the um, excess in monetary spending and, and devaluation of the dollar, which of course crypto was meant to offset. Um, but it does, that that's actually accomplished in the way that that happened by by all risk assets. Now I just want to say that what I'm, the point I'm making here is that next time, hopefully, it's just products that bring us this user growth because there was there. But when something goes up so much in value and has so much activity and so many builders and so much traction, it's sometimes easy. Uh, and I've I made this mistake throughout the bull run, which is confusing traction with adoption. And traction kind of is hard to value when you're looking at such an incredible growth of valuations because you'll be like, oh, there was a billion dollars of activity on that chain last week. Well, is that a billion dollars of real dollars or is it a billion dollars of a coin that was worth, you know, one one thousandth or one one hundredth of what it was uh, or, or whatever just a few months ago? And so you end up with like these very difficult to judge uh, sort of fundamentals. Um, and really the only fundamental to me that matters is user user growth. But what we saw was effectively, and I talked about this a lot, we saw a mainstreaming of like financial culture and investment culture and really risk-taking culture and in investments um, to the point where you go on Netflix right now and there's like a how to invest in the stock market uh, miniseries. There's, um, you know, Coinbase and Robinhood were the number one apps in the app store. Uh, you, you saw this sort of mania, global mania towards investing. Um, but it wasn't a global mania towards like product usage, right? It wasn't really a global mania towards like new types of products. Um, and, you know, NFTs in general, a, a lot of the people who came to NFTs, yes, there was this stickiness of community, but there was also um, a high uh, relevance to the money being made. And so, um, yeah, I, th I think there's definitely an element of if, you know, we go gigable again without mainstream adoption of products, that's probably, I would classify that as bad because it's just going to lead to another one of these cycles. Um, and so, yeah, like going forward, just the way I conceptualize and cover this industry is going to be dramatically different and probably filled with a lot more skepticism because, um, you know, confusing adoption with price is, is very easy to do and it can happen. Um, and it's happened several times here. And so I think that was one of the biggest learnings here. And, uh, and what FTX shows is that, you know, uh, the actual price and the volumes and the um, perceived legitimacy um, doesn't mean that like it's actually having like real underlying value besides when the, when the number goes up. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, before we go to Nick, a, a big thing that I want to focus on there is just that we it, it felt like the industry was maturing, but it actually turned out to be more immature than ever. I just want to, so Zeneca posted uh, a screenshot from the new CEO of FTX in the Chapter 11 bankruptcy filings. He basically, in uh, Section 4 of whatever this screenshot is, he talks about his experience, 40 years of legal and restructuring experience, uh, worked with Enron, right, after uh, the Enron collapse. Uh, and then he says, and here's the quote, never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information, information as occurred here. From compromised systems, integrity, and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. 
So, I mean, I, I take his word for it. Like, I understand, you know, he's probably got some sort of uh, agenda with, with these comments, but I take his word for it. This seems like it was a fucking, uh, a real, like, once, you know, an unprecedented event. It's, it's pretty damn ridiculous, and it would never happen, like, if, if FTX International was operating, like, in the state of New York, for example. Uh, Nick, you had unmuted. Well, Go ahead. well yeah, yeah, well, just, I'll just say I don't think so, because they were operating in the state of New York, as well as every other state. They were. FTX US. But, but. And what we're about to see, and by the way, so remember they were like, oh, FTX US was backed one to one. So there was this um, article which I cover. Um, I've done like an hour long sort of breakdown of the FTX thing that I'm going to be publishing soon. It took me a while to like compile all the info. So so much information was coming out. I kept having to like re-record it. Um, and so um, they there there was a really nice write up that I find to be level headed and theoretical in some regards, but but I, having a, a nice I think uh, realistic approach to like what happened. So one of these articles, called, it was like by Milk Milk and Honey or it was like this weird blog site. Anyway, um, they pretty much uh, went through and showed some of the some of the more realistic ways that they blew up uh, Alameda and FTX. But it also um, showed screenshots of an employee that was at uh, Alameda the day that things started popping off was like their onboarding. And they said that at one point, um, once they realized that the FTX boat was was you know, needed to be, needed to be, the ships were burned there. They, they essentially started sending all their money to FTX US. So what we'll, what we would find if there was any record keeping is that effectively, um, it was one slush fund, right? It was one fund and that there was equally bad, I think, record keeping and, um, and capital controls on the US branch. So that's, that's what I think is going to come out. Um, and so what we had here actually was, um, we see here that it, it also showed that they loaned, uh, some huge amounts of money, uh, to, personally to SBF for a billion dollars, a billion dollars in personal loans. Um, They also loaned some guy named Nishad, uh, 540 million, and this guy, Ryan, uh, 55 million. Um, And then there was actually a paper bird company, which was some kind of shell company, uh, owned 100% by Sam, that was loaned $3.3 billion, or or, or $2.3 billion. So it was, it, it ended up it ends up showing that Sam essentially, uh, just with no oversight, gave himself $3.3 billion. Wow. Nick? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so that that's a uh, crazy situation. The thing that I was commenting on was what was discussed earlier with some of the stuff that Elio was referring to in terms of uh, uh, supposed, quote, maturing of the space and simultaneously uh, that basically not being the case. You know, uh, it, as long as... All, this whole space has been motivated heavily by um, uh, by speculation. And that, you know, as individuals, we, we've uh, leaned into that aspect of things, trading ourselves uh, last year, um, get, discussing the trade opportunities on our shows on an ongoing basis. Uh, but when, when you discuss sort of the quote, like maturing of the space, the real question is like, h- how do we really push this forward? And to a large degree, the product side, as Elliot was saying, has not really evolved. Um, and so... Instead, what we've been seeing is, you know, I guess you could call it innovation on the NFT side of things has pretty much been around like, what's the business model here? What is running an intellectual property business mean? What does, how does this impact, you know, traditional media and various, uh, you know, content businesses on the like movie side, on the music side, on all, all on the art side. And uh, we haven't really seen technological disruption uh, on the uh, development side outside of, you know, some of the fundamental uh, stuff that was already in place before. You know, a lot of us were learning uh, Solidity again 
um, primarily because there was a strong financial incentive to do so, which was launching an NFT and selling that and making money using uh, Solidity. And, and, and now the same thing exists on Solana, although uh, there's a lot of flags there or question marks right now uh, associated with that. But that is like the biggest question facing a lot of us. You know, we discuss this on a daily basis and we discuss, you know, the trademarks being filed and the patents being filed and the Sony one being a major one in this case, implying that they're going to be integrating, you know, blockchain and NFT technology into maybe PlayStation or something like that. And, and, and I think that that's all uh, very exciting. There's just a lot less of that. And, and uh, to be fair, you know, we've seen... Um, Places like Reddit, Reddit was, you know, I don't know what the floor price on those Reddit NFTs right now are. It would be uh, funny to go check that out. But basically, they've been the first like major thing that we've seen on the NFT side of things where they kind of made the user experience an incredibly seamless one. It didn't require them to go and set up a wallet. It did it for them. They were able to then transfer it or, or, or access that wallet themselves. There, there were a lot of... Uh, like we're just seeing the beginning of that. And and for the past year, year and a half, it really was focused around hurry and get your NFT out the door while this window still exists so that you can go get cash and use that to fuel your business. And I, and I think that's where we've seen a lot of the action. I don't think that that's disappearing, but it feels, you know, vibe-wise, very similar to kind of the ICO day days of mentality there. And a lot of the people did not survive uh, following that, a lot of it was just complete scams. So, like, we do need to see that maturing take place, especially at a time where basically uh, there's a lot of skeptics now. I mean, I just had a buddy text me and he was like, Well, I guess crypto's dead, huh? And, uh, and I was like, I mean, I guess, but like, we're still out of here. Like, the, things are still going. So, uh, but the, the general consensus, I think, outside of those who are spending every day on Twitter and us uh, discussing rumors, et cetera, um, th their view is just like, yeah, this is not a great, uh, uh, you know, um, so, so sort of area to be in at this point in time. So no one's going to be making any investments, at least among, uh, you know, the, the average consumer. Elliot, what do you think is going to happen, you know, in terms of like retail perception, like people that were just kind of casual fans, so to speak, of crypto, maybe people that bought some uh, crypto and held it in like BlockFi because Anthony Pompliano, oh, we got, Ellie got rugged. Ellie got rugged. Oh, no. Um, anyway, uh, Nick, you and me. Have he's been back. Oh, he's back. Okay. Um, I just invited back. him to speak. He'll be back. Um, I mean, look, it's, it's a crazy time. We've talked. At Your boy got Persian rug, dude. Uh, I like having those hanging on my walls, you know, nice tapestries, and that's how Elliot. Yeah, so yeah, so I wanted to go over a few things because I got rugged. I'm not sure what we were talking about, but effectively, look, the the biggest thing that I wanted to talk about is um, there were real business models, and then there are not, right? And and one of the things that gets really confusing in the bull market is to see which ones are are real and which ones are not, because some that don't make necessarily a lot of sense can continue to work for a very long time. Um, or become like the darlings of the space, as we saw with Luna, as we saw with Axie Infinity and beyond, right? We've seen that, you know, and obviously Axie does have a real game. They do have a real business model, but that's not the one that became the central focus, right? The central focus was a model that doesn't really make sense at scale, right? Um, and so you have the emergence of, of real businesses and real product experiences, but the market just favors getting something, anything out to market. I think like a good example of this is looks rare, right? You had this marketplace that did not add anything at all to the, to the experience of buying and selling NFTs. 
just almost nothing, right? Except a half a percent less uh, fee. And then you had the token model where people were, you know, the, the, the revenue was flowing through. But there was no attempt to elevate uh, from a product standpoint over OpenSea, right? Um, and so like those types of, and, and yet it was one of the most commercially successful products of the cycle. And so you have like a lot of this rush in crypto, which is just to seize on the moment. And then as the uh, sort of financial incentive to innovate or to, to, to go live dies down, nobody's stopped, everyone stops working on it. And I know this because even, you know, OpenSea, for example, when the 2021 cycle popped up and they were crashing every day, like multiple times a day, um, you know, when we reached out to them, they were like, yeah, well, you know, it was a bear market. Well, we didn't really, we, nobody really did anything for the last few years on, on the site uh, or something to that effect, you know, like we weren't really working on it. And so um, it's just kind of one of those things where you'll see, you know, it's it's a weird paradox. And unfortunately, the market, it just reward, rewards the wrong behavior. Um, but if there's one sort of silver lining here, it's that, you know, they, the sort of artificial liquidity books uh, will not be there to support something that's not really a, um, a real product. And it's going to be exciting to see those real products uh, that really attract real users and people care about start to shine through. And it'll be an interesting moment where most likely the valuations of those products uh, are dramatically undervalued compared to what they're actually providing. Um, and that would be a, a really nice place to be as an investment community. Um, everybody wants up only, but if you realize when things are up only before the values there, uh, the underlying value, you essentially end up with just like unbelievable risk, unbelievable risk across the entire ecosystem. So like while the adrenaline rush is there to see, you know, your crypto punk or your board ape go to this unreasonably, unfathomably high um, level of, of value. Uh, the it's essentially like, you know, ice skating on on, a, on an ice rink that's paper thin, you know, and, and you end up with this tremendous risk. Um, and uh, and so it's like that's what happens when things outpace their their underlying value. And so the hope is that the industry um, through this rubble will get back to sort of basics and that a cons you know, that effectively we don't go absurdly bullish until users are really adopting product experiences and taking to this new this new layer of the Internet. In, in a sustainable and meaningful way. And, and that's something that we, uh, I think we all agree on, right? We all believe that this technology can help people, but until it's actually helping people and that's the reason why they're going to it and it's just purely um, you know, speculation, um, which we all play into, right? We all play into this because we're all, it's part of the culture of crypto is gains. It's part of the culture of crypto is, um, you know, X's, is HODL, is, and, and all of these are, are around really economic gain, right? And so I think like taking a, a, like a, a, a really long look in the mirror and understanding like motivations, your own personal motivations, the motivations um, of the industry itself, and, and really trying to make sure that we get back to basics in this particular phase of the market. Because if we get another sort of speculative TikTok investor mania, um, you better believe it's going to end very poorly. Um, and that happened in the stock market too, right? So it's, it's every market, but just know when investing goes mainstream like that and it's being treated like a quick buck, um, that means that the economy is in, in danger and that these markets are not really in reality because businesses and real business don't, they rarely grow exponentially very quickly, except for very, very select examples. Yeah. And I mean, just to kind of, I, I put this in our discord the other day because people were talking about price nonstop, uh, to break down what you just talked about with, when it comes to products, the way I think about it is people need to care about the actual thing, not only care about the price of the thing and how many people have been completely obsessed with the price of XYZ asset in crypto, in NFTs, in web three versus the actual asset. We all know Elliot, that you're a big believer that gaming will be one of those on ramps where people will actually care about the fund 
fun game and will want to you know participate participate and maybe build in the fun game and then there are assets attached to it and that that idea would work um, but we really haven't seen that yet but I mean I think it's a foregone conclusion that we do not only in gaming but in other areas um, Nick, I, I don't know what. Well, like, oh, it's also ahead. it's also just to, to round that out. It's about there being more roles within a gaming ecosystem. Right now, there's sort of two roles: you're the consumer or you're the creator. And the creator is pretty much just like a small centralized, not a small centralized company, but it's a centralized company that only really benefits you know shareholders and, and the the executives. Um, and now the concept is, hey, look, what if there's other ways to add and extract va- value from these platforms? We see the same thing with social. The problem is, uh, social media is really really hard to break into because the moats are so big, the social network effects are so big um, that it's really hard to, you know, create new social medias that are, that are successful. There hasn't really been a new one for over a decade. Um, And so then you also have gaming where uh, there's new successful games all the time. And in fact, it's weird if a game stays in relevant for more than a certain amount of time. And so um, that, that's a really interesting place where it's really just a matter of time before someone makes a banger, you know, and and it will be fun. And so, uh, you know, I'm still, very much so focused on that. And I think that that'll be one of the things that I believe is most hated because the meta, because the metaverse mania narrative was kind of like the crescendo of the 2021 bull run. And so, you know, most people who got in late got into that wave. Um, so the stain on the concept of metaverse will likely uh, last and will stop people from wanting to invest uh, even when it shows signs it's working, right? So even if you have games that are like, oh, they're really attracting a big player base. Oh, people are really building cool stuff in here. Oh, there's really like creator monetization, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's working, people will be very skeptical of it um, because of the the way that this bull run um, sort of had its last phase be like the meta change their name and Axie Infinity and um, essentially like, you know, Sandbox ended up with like a, a 50 quadrillion dollar valuation. Like th- that crescendo will probably leave more people you know, with eyebrows raised towards the concept of metaverse. Um, but it's also the thing that I see most likely to work because, you know, you can enjoy these digital worlds and there's always room for a new game, a new fun thing to, to enjoy uh, in this digital like landscape we have. And maybe we get a rebrand on Metaverse uh, or something. I mean, we already saw a kind of quasi-rebrand on NFTs when Reddit rolled them out. Reddit knew better than to call them NFTs, right? They called them avatar collectibles, which is hilarious in itself. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, the past couple of shows, I've been kind of you know lobbing up wide open questions just because I feel like the cycle of new information emerging from this FTX situation has been every 12 hours. Obviously, we've kind of talked about it ad nauseum. I see Nick has his hand raised. Nick, what, what's on your mind right now. I see another story here that essentially uh, Binance is now supposedly going to uh, buy Voyager Di- Digital, the bankrupt lending platform that uh, FTX was previously uh, set to acquire. So that's uh, an interesting thing. Um, I also, but, but, but actually acquire them because they actually have the funds to acquire them. Maybe, although a lot of the things, there, the, the cynical short seller guy that I had posted a couple days ago uh, whatever his name is, uh, just call him genius. Um, uh, also the guy can be a, a big jerk, but it's, it's highly entertaining to listen to. Um, he was basically saying that, uh, all the companies that FTX was trying to buy were, were essentially, he was overpaying for, and they were completely insolvent. So why not buy them for pennies on the dollar? Cause nobody wanted them. And, uh, it turned out that the main reason was a lot of those companies were large holders of FTT token. And so it was an attempt to prop up FTT was something that I had read. All these details are hard to coalesce. And I'm, I'm interested or uh, I'm interested to see, um, you know, how Elliot, uh, like w- what information he, d- he chooses to put inside uh, his report. But, you know, the, uh, there's, 
you know, in in uh, death is opportunity in these markets, basically, or as the maybe a better way is of saying, you know, when the sharks smell blood, uh, they go they go after it, and so there's, uh, it, but they still find to keep the metaphor going. They still find these businesses quite appetizing uh, because there's some tasty fish. Uh, the, the, the reason that I mentioned that only is that it'll be the, out of this, out of the wreckage, uh, and and we'll see how this all shakes out. But out of the wreckage, there may end up being some like really massive behemoths, and maybe you know Binance in this case ends up becoming uh, like more of a monopoly in this space. I have no idea. I mean, this is pure speculation on that front, but. Uh, I see, you know, that news coming out, and I just think, okay, well, uh, one one team buying the next. Um, I I don't understand the structure of a lot of those businesses, but the the business of uh, FTX was a clear one. It was just made up loans uh, that that were able to actually funnel money uh, out of FTX, which is, I mean, I'm still, and I'm curious, Elliot, what your take is right now. Do you think? I placed a over under bet, although I don't know. I guess I took the under, but against uh, Easy saying that um, I think he actually does end up serving jail time. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, what we've seen over the last few weeks is a pretty scary amount of um, of cleanup for Sam. Um, that's where it starts to get like I, I don't like to give into conspiracies, but if you are essentially only accepting sort of like vanilla, you know, explanations for what just happened, then you know it, it's like you're, you can't not be a crazy person right now. So I just can't feel like, I can't help but feel like there's, um, the way that this all goes forward is going to be pretty revealing. You know, Sam clearly has bought himself a lot of friends. He's clearly got a lot of people in high places. Um, and what FTX was doing might very well involve those people in high places. Um, and you know, you can think of other examples of historical events where stuff like this, um, stuff, stuff gets buried, right. And stuff never gets dug up. Right. And, and, um, and so I'm just really curious to see what comes out because I have a feeling uh, it's going to be pretty disappointing um, what happens to Sam and what happens to a lot of us. It's going to be a big black box. We already see the, the statements from the, uh, from the bankruptcy lawyer saying there's no records and uh, there was no financial controls. And so you know, what, what we're left with is essentially probably a lot of question marks and a lot of uh, big purchases going to shell, co- shell companies with no record keeping and no bank accounts that anybody knew. Like, there's going to be a lot of, um, there's gonna be a lot of questions left unanswered and it might take years to pull this stuff apart. Um, and so, yeah, in the meantime, people's attention spans are short. So, you know, there's, you know, right now everyone is, is very obsessed with FTX, but you know, <laughs> very soon people will become very bored of it and it'll become, you know, like another news event that, you know, you'll have sort of crystallized your opinion of it in your head and moved on. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, you said something about like the, the, the people sort of clout chasing on breaking news stories right now. Yeah. Like it, we haven't had anything happen that people are tuning in for. And now people are tuning in because there's blood running on the streets. And so being a careful custodian of that attention is really important. Um, but you know, in the end, Twitter does a good job of balancing out sort of the, the up, the upside and the downside, um, and, and sort of fact checking and checking on everybody. But it's a good thing to have a healthy dose of skepticism in these times. And, um, and there's definitely a lot of people who are writing down notes as to who's sort of being exploitative in these times. Um, but the main thing is we have a lot to, we have a lot to uncover. Uh, and there is quite a bit of reasonable, reasonable suspicions towards like what was going on with, um, you know, donation funding, where, where was that coming? You know, there was some weird stuff about like vaccine research and companies that like buried other research. And that happened like a long time ago. And so it just the, the history of Sam, the history of Alameda and how this whole thing happened is, is an increasingly confusing and, and very, 
let's be let's be let's be sorry a little bit more blunt it's it's fascinating to think that this could happen um to to even imagine that it could happen seems it seems like it could never be the case if you said there was a group of 20 somethings you know and nobody was checking billions of dollars in 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 financial transactions <laughs> and they were hanging out with senators and stuff it just doesn't make it's like this this isn't the real world you know the simulation's broken and so yeah again like i i feel like what's going to happen here in crypto is, you know, people are going to start finding bodies buried everywhere from this FTX thing um, of, of companies that are now zombie companies. And yeah, like for people who are still uh, have a meaningful amount of their net worth exposed, uh, it's definitely a super risky time. I, I think the, um, this is like the OJ Simpson uh, trial, but of, you know, the finance space basically at the moment without there even being a trial yet, like dude's still in the white van or uh, in the, sorry, the, the, the Ford Bronco. Ford, uh, Ford Bronco, yeah. So he's still in the Ford Bronco right now, running around, and we're just like spotting him at this moment in time. So every except no one, one's chasing him; he's just hanging out. <laughs> he's he's literally just like chilling at his apartment. Like he's taking the Ford Bronco through the drive-through at Dairy Queen. Yeah, and 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 uh, and people are just like, oh yeah, I mean, that's, dude, OJ, that guy's a legend. Is uh, <laughs> is basically what's happening at this moment. It's one of the most fascinating things to observe, uh, but I also think like w we have to wait and see what the fallout from all this stuff is. It, it's, I mean, the the the, the story has spread beyond uh, just the, the into the mainstream at this point in time. To your point, yes, a large percentage of the the narrative um, or the story, like it, it won't be the story du jour um, after a while. But it's such a big one, and it makes me think of uh, like. I mean, regular traditional news. When you when you get uh, you know a huge story like this, you just hop on it and you milk the hell out of it. You know what I'm saying? And I I feel like that's what's going on right now. And everyone's trying to get pieces of information that they can uh, throw together um, on on this situation. Ultimately, the information is going to come out. the The bankruptcy, the one that uh, Po had mentioned about the uh, former Enron guy about a lot of the processes that people are like shocked by. Po and I are not at all. Uh, but basically, like the way that uh, employees, for example, uh, got reimbursed for expenses was to like send a DM to somebody and then uh, random personalized emojis they'd get as a response as like the way that they were like reimbursed. But and I'm assuming that some of those reimbursements were also happening on FTX's platform. So I, like, I bet all of them were. It just seems like it, it all happened on platform, which makes sense in the kind of, you know, the Ponzi narrative. But go ahead. Yeah, and it also would make sense, like, you, you would argue that, like, a lot of Facebook employees are supposed to use Facebook, and they built, like, a Facebook at work thing, I feel like, heavily so that they could use it internally, and and the goal is, is that, you know, if you have everyone within the organization being product and sub, uh, product experts and subject matter experts, it, you end up enable, uh, improving the product, but in this case, so you could argue, yeah, it makes sense that I'm getting, like, I don't think anyone had any question about getting paid on FTX. That said, if it was as if it was as much friction as it was as for us to deal with like their affiliate program and the way that that was like how they wanted those payouts to go down, I I wouldn't be surprised um, if like some people are probably like, yo, this is way too hard for me to get paid. Um, so yeah. A anyways, it, it was uh, it, it felt like they just used it as a personal slush fund essentially, and the way that they handled all of it was just quote loans. So they just were lending money back and forth when like uh, w without any collateral uh, or if they had collateral, they'd go borrow uh, against it, 
like unsafe collateral. I'm just curious out of all of this money, it sounds like the user deposits were a, a large portion of it, but I wonder, I still would love to know um, the unfortunate number, which is what percentage of uh, these accounts were like individuals versus institutions in terms of the holdings that that would be a number that I'd love to see. Um, not that it's okay to steal any either party's money, but uh, institutions tend to be uh, more resilient against these sorts of things. Like you, you just let the system sort of spill over and uh, people move on. But for individuals, it's a much more challenging thing if like all of your savings are in an account somewhere. Yeah, I think that, first of all, you know, it's it's very tragic. Um, the in, the individual losses, and I think you saw a lot more of that going on with Celsius and stuff, uh, because it appealed more to a um, you know like smaller smaller holders, right? It it appealed more to the everyman to have passive income and all that. Whereas more sophisticated people are like, oh, ten percent yield. I don't know. Like I could we, we see a lot of other ways we could extract that. Um, and so you had FTX was most certainly. I mean, look, Genesis, uh, Jump, uh, you know, whatever. These these are these are billion dollar accounts, right? And so we can assume safely just from a few of the names that got dropped that you can account for maybe four, five of those billions of, of the 10 billion just off of like a short list. So you can assume that like the vast majority of the money here was institutional. Um, uh, and that's also very quite fascinating because you're going to see this very huge recession in the uh, from the liquidity providers that make this industry work and tick. And um, whether or not, you know, they're malicious or aligned with users, whatever, just liquidity is going to dry the F up. Now, I just saw this actually in the... Um, the documents for the for the filing that came through today, it said the debtors have a credible evidence that the Bahamian government is responsible for directing unauthorized access to the debtors' systems for the purpose of obtaining digital assets of the debtors that took place after the commencement of these cases. Thus, the appointment of JPLs, I'm not sure what JPL stands for, uh, and the recognition of uh, Chapter 15 case are thus in serious question. Um, so I think what we might see is that like the, uh, and we just saw this from Walter Bloomberg, um, although he's controversial, I, I don't know why people, people say he's controversial. So I'll say that this source is one that people complain about, but apparently we see FTX's chapter 11 may not be valid, said Bahamian liquidators, uh, as well as others. So we're already seeing, um, this is going to be one of the weirdest, uh, things we've ever seen. I don't, I don't know we're going to get satisfying answers and we're certainly not going to get them anytime soon. I don't think. Um, and so it's going to be a really weird thing, but going back to basics, like the reason why I got into gaming and crypto was because I started in a bear market and we're going to come into a place where I think like the, you know, we're going to need something to do. And so I'm going to start like trying to come up with, I remember I told you guys like two days ago, somebody tweeted about like Sony patenting something for NFTs in their, in their consoles. And I was so uplifted by that and I was so excited by it. And so, you know, at the other side of this macro storm, there is the very real concept of uh, one of the biggest industries in the world that's going to benefit from crypto. And I believe that's gaming. And so that's the stuff that I'll be kind of like using to balance out this sort of like doom scrolling narrative, because in the end, we're all just people and we need to like balance ourselves and stay grounded even through the storm. Um, and that means lowering risk, uh, accepting like that decisions, you know, that you made or didn't make um, are things you can learn from and, and taking control of decisions that you make so you can grow in the future. And then also, you know, and, and I've taken stock of fucking so many things and I've and so many things that I'm going through personal growth with. And, and I think that's really important. And then finally, also understanding that like, you know, uh, there will be hopefully a healthier version of this industry on the other side. Um, but like the stuff like FTX needed to get flushed because this is, this is, this is horrible. Like imagine if FTX got, got its regulatory moat and was 10 times the size, like imagine. And so, yeah, I don't. I don't know. You'd you'd start to wonder whether they would have gotten caught at a different stage. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And there's no way, you know, considering CZ sparked this bank run, I don't think 
there is any narrative where I can wrap my head around that CZ and Sam were planning this together. So you'd have to imagine that like, if there was some kind of like bigger, you know, more malicious plan behind FTX as like some kind of plant or whatever, um, that the timing of it and the actual way that this happened wasn't probably timed this way. Um, considering the meetings with the SEC, uh, the fact that Sam was scheduled to speak at a uh, New York Times event at the end of the month, uh, like sponsored by the World Economic Forum and featuring like other regulators. Like I, you just can't imagine that this was necessarily um, supposed to unwind right now, even if it was supposed to be some kind of like, you know, um, destructo bomb for the crypto industry. So there's a lot of question marks. And and I think like question everything is a good is a good place to start, but also like really, really control your own personal risk throughout these times and like take take responsibility of your own world right now. Like we say all the time, but it gets overlooked in the bull run is like, this is the time to own your shit and to like really make sure that you are making every decision as fully, fully, fully responsibly and fully, fully aware of your own situation as possible. Um, and I think that the people who, you know, are resilient through that are going to, going to do well. Uh, and the people who look back at, at what happened in this bull run and, and learn and grow and optimize. I mean, why, why have you heard me scream all of, throughout this entire year to be careful and to not jump the gun on, on getting back into the market is because I got wrecked in 2018. Like I got destroyed in 2018. Uh, and I, and I, and I didn't just wait, <laughs> I didn't just wait for the new, for the new cycle to start. And, uh, and that's why I've been boring as hell just saying hey it's time to just stable up cash up and and be and wait and uh and and none of these little market movements have really gotten me to shake despite the reply guys being like you know very violently opposed to, to that you know in my in my uh in my replies it's just what it is and and ftx blowing up was not on my bingo card um none of these things were on my bingo card but the eventual you know destruction of value was and so uh i learned and it's, it's helped keep me somewhat safe right somewhat not completely but somewhat and um and that's what I hope everyone does is becomes like super, super, uh, you know, I guess skeptical and, uh, and self-reliant. And I think that that'll form the next sort of great, uh, great community here. Yeah. I mean, you know, th there's just so much, first of all, you were right. Like ever since we started the show, you were talking about how you were being patient and we hadn't seen the bottom yet. You've kept talking about, you know, the big brain researchers that you talked to saying that in 2023, we'll see an investable bottom. I also like to backtrack to like, you know, April, March, February of this year. You know, I, I felt like a lot of people were saying things like, well, what's going to cause like a violent bottom? Like I understand the crypto cycles, but what's going to cause it? And then you fast forward. It's like, well, it, here we are, right? Here's the thing that could cause it. Like, holy shit, this is so crazy. A top three global exchange by a thought leader in the space that was supposed to be a champion of the entire industry to regulators turned out to just be a big rug pull, literally, like just a big old rug. Uh, it's it's completely wild to think about. Look, we're going to wrap here in the next couple of minutes. Elliot, Nick, any closing thoughts before we wrap? As usual, I just want to shout out myself. You know, in these sorts of times, uh, which are trying times, I like to just fall back on myself and say, Nick, you know, you made it through another day. You all, you came with the energy that people were expecting. Sometimes you're a little bit off, but that's what makes you a little bit weird. And your quirkiness is something that really people <laughs> respect. And so I just want to shout myself out and shout out everyone who uh, respects me and say thank you. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I support that as well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a second <laughs> to shout out myself too, because we tomorrow have uh, an, a huge gameplay event for imposters. Uh, it's something I'm super, super proud of. The community is like, there is not a shred of negativity going on in this community. It is all excitement, gameplay, fun, uh, and, and people who have each other's back in this discord. Uh, and so uh, I'm very, very, very passionate about the uh, imposters community. And I invite everyone to come play this game tomorrow because it is 
it's not even by a little bit, but by miles, the most fun I've ever had playing a Web3 game. Uh, and so I'm I'm proud that we're already here at this stage and we're just beginning the the gameplay journey. So shout out to everyone. If you want to come play some fun games and get your mind off of this uh, this incredible amount of negative news, come join the imposters community because we'd love to have you. And uh, and the game is the game is just absolutely fun. So uh, that's what we're going to focus on. Uh, it was a shame we didn't get to launch some of our infrastructure last week, but as you know, uh, it wasn't exactly good timing. Um, and uh, and hopefully in the next uh, short while, uh, people will have chewed and digested this news a little bit more around FTX, so we can get back to uh, pushing out product and, and going back to focusing on the long-term vision for this entire industry. Big shout out to everyone. I know it sucks. Uh, I've certainly been dealing with a lot of uh, anger and and uh, and just negative emotions throughout the week. Uh, but we're going to process, we're going to get through it, and we're going to make it uh, make it to the other side like we always do. Uh, as always, uh, we're going to be doing this show as often as we can. 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, we'll update you if we change like times or frequencies, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, crazy idea, a fun game to play. Uh, check out Imposters and Elio's ecosystem. Check out his YouTube channel, Elio Trades. Uh, look, we'll be back. We'll figure out when we're going to be back. Count on it for Monday, I can say, and we'll get a, a little cadence change if necessary. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening as always, and we will catch you next time. Have a great weekend.